can uh, have a seat. Thanks for uh, joining us for Christmas Eve uh, candlelight service. We are, uh, we're working through the book of Matthew. This has been our sort of ongoing uh, series for the, for the Christmas season. And uh, we're, we're a little bit past the point where Jesus is born. It, it, the way that Matthew was inconsiderate when he laid out the text, um, he put Christmas too early. And so we did Christmas like the birth of Jesus last week. Um, and this week we're actually talking about the, the, the wise men, the, the guys who show up for the birth of Jesus. But it, it works out very well. Um, a couple of things, that, a little bit of background um, on, on the previous stuff that's happened in this gospel. Um, the the um, book itself, Matthew is writing with the intent of telling Jewish people about Jesus, right? And so it's really easy to miss some of the stuff that Matthew builds into his book if you're not Jewish, and not a, none of us are first century Jews, right? I mean, Larry's probably close, but like he's not Jewish. Um, it's an old joke. Um, and so as we kind of dive into this, um, <laughs> Jesus has been born, and, and we pick up in Matthew 2, um, where he says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem, or Magi from the east came to Jerusalem, and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now, this little bit of text, there's a lot to it, even though it doesn't seem like it. Now, first off, like as we talk about magi, anybody, I mean, not a word we use in everyday language. Um, it's kind of uncommon. It, it, a lot of times we hear kings, and they, they weren't kings. Magi were probably magicians. Right, but not like stage magicians. These weren't guys with top hats and canes and stuff. These guys were um, like court magicians in uh, an eastern court, probably in in the area where Babylon was, which would be about 900 miles. So these guys have, I mean, 900 miles. 
as a way to go, right? And there were trading routes and stuff like that that they would go on. And there was probably not three of them. There was probably a, a big handful because traveling 900 miles in the ancient world was dangerous and usually went with a big crowd of people. Um, like guards and, and traders and stuff like that. And it was probably, you know, maybe 90 or 100 of them. This is a crowd. Um, but Magi's, what they would do is they were followers of Zoroaster, um, which is an ancient religion. It was originated about 600 um, B.C. And, and um, these, these magicians, they would have studied astrology. So they would have looked at the planets and they, they would have studied wisdom literature. And they would have studied um, the works of the Jewish folks who still lived in that part of the world. About 500 years beforehand, the, the nation of Israel was sacked by the Babylonians. And the Babylonians took the whole country away as slaves and resettled them in Babylon. And they all lived there in Babylon. And a lot of them stayed at the end of the 70-year period that they were in exile. Um, and the ones who stayed, like they, they continued to be Jewish, and they spread Judaism in that part of the world. And there were a lot of Jews in that area. Um, in fact, there were a lot of Jews in Egypt, and there were a lot of Jews north of there. I mean, they were kind of all over the place at this point. Um, but these Magi's would have been familiar with Jewish like writing and Jewish teaching and all of this other stuff. And in particular, there are a bunch of these Magi's who believed that at one point there would be a Jewish king who would come along and would conquer the whole world. And they got all that out of the book of Isaiah, only they misread it. Um, but these guys were waiting for a Jewish king to show up. And then, as astrologers, they suddenly see all these signs in the sky, which is a reference to, um, I want to say, Micah, uh, where it talks about a star coming out of the east. And, and the star of the scepter of um, Abraham, or excuse me, of Jesse. Like the, there's all these references in the scriptures to, to a star being associated with this king that was supposed to come forward, the Messiah. And so they see all of these signs in the sky, and it's, it's not entirely clear what it was. Um, we know there were a bunch of planetary alignments that took place then. And there are all these books written on what it was that they saw. There was actually a couple of comets that went through at that point. There was an eclipse that happened and a couple of supernovas that they know happened because they have Chinese uh, astronomers who recorded it. Um, it's not really clear what they were following, but they saw signs in the sky that told them, we need to go and be with the Jewish people because they got a king who was born like now. And, and we got to go. The other thing we know that it's about two years that it takes them from where they start planning this trip to where they show up. And two years is a while, right? I mean, these guys were committed. It's not like the, you know, hey, let's go to Great Falls this afternoon and run on down there. I mean, 900 miles on a camel or on a donkey, not a small thing. Um, it's almost as bad as taking a Dodge. Um, so <laughs> the, these guys head on over to, to, um, to worship this this new king, this this king of the Jews, and and they don't really know what they're getting into, but they're about to jump into a hornet's nest. Um, but they knew that there was a king coming. They knew that there was a great leader coming. And like as we gather together here on Christmas Eve, like there are folks who come for Christmas Eve services because it's this thing they do, and there are some of us who've been followers of Jesus since forever, and this is like a part of how we live. And I mean, there there are all sorts of reasons that we come, but this evening we're here to worship the king, right? Like. God sent his son to be amongst us, to be, to be king over his people. And that's what we celebrate on Christmas, you know, on Christmas Day, the birth of, of you know, God's son, you know, the, the king of his people. Like, and so as we gather today, as we're here to worship, um, we sing and we, we celebrate and we, we raise up the fact that God sent his son to be with us. God sent his son to take care of us, um, to be king over us and, to, and, and literally to free us from like, the, the slavery that we live in from 
from our own sins and our own failures and our own brokenness. Um, Let's continue to worship as we celebrate this evening.
So these wise men, these magicians, the first place they would have gone would have been to the capital of Israel, to Jerusalem. And I mean, because it's only natural. I mean, if you're going there, you would assume that a king would be born in the capital. And and they go and they encounter Herod. Now, in in the modern world, we don't think about Herod very much. Uh, but Herod was a bad dude, right? Like Herod was as bad as it got. Um, Herod killed most of his sons during the course of his lifetime because he didn't want them to take over. And um, several times he he was imprisoned by different you know Caesars and, and neighboring kings. They'd capture him and imprison him. And he like every time he had a favorite wife and he set an order: if I don't come back, execute my wife, so nobody else, else has her. And then he accidentally, like, stayed away too long, and then they killed his wife. And he regretted it the rest of his life. Like, he was, he was bad. Um, the day he died, he had an order set that all of the, like, prominent leaders in Jerusalem would be executed so that people would wail and cry on his deathbed because um, he knew nobody was going to cry otherwise. He was, he was not very well liked either. Um, and so this Herod, he's approached by this, you know, group who has come to see the king who was born, and, and this is news to him. And he, you know, wasn't Jewish by birth, but he knew enough about the Jewish faith that, like, like he, he knew this was a problem. Herod protected his throne um, very aggressively. So when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. By the way, the reason all Jerusalem was disturbed is the guy who might execute large groups of people gets mad. Like, you take that seriously, Right. I mean, you're disturbed when he's disturbed. And so everybody gets up in arms about the fact that Herod is up in arms. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, and by no means the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be shepherd for all my people, for all, all my people Israel, for my people Israel. Um, so Herod knows what's coming, and Herod knew, like, first off, he knew that he wasn't in the lineage of David. Like, Herod was not a descendant of David. He was a foreigner who had taken power in Israel um, once the Romans had conquered. He had finagled his way to the top, and he knew that the Jewish people wanted a king who was a descendant of David. Like, that was their big, big hope in life. And so he was afraid of anybody who was going to come in and, and try and take over, especially anybody claiming David, right? Um, the other thing he was very afraid of was, like, to the west was all Rome. Everything west of him was Rome. To the east was not. And there was one point in his career as king where, like, an army from the east came and sacked his capital, and he had to flee back to Italy in order to get, you know, an army to come back and recapture his throne. And so guys from the east show up and say, hey, you've got a new king who's been born. And, like, all of a sudden, everything's getting nervous for Herod. Um, and, and he had right to be nervous um, because there was a king born. There was a new leader coming. There was a great thing about to happen. Um, and it was going to happen despite him. Um, and so with all of this, like, like, turmoil and all of this fear, Herod gears up to protect his throne. He gears up to, you know, for a fight. Um, and, and it's a fight that he can't win because you can't fight against God at the end of the day, can you? Um, the star that's coming in the east, what is it that actually it was Balaam that prophesied it. It was uh, a star will come out of Jacob, a scepter will rise out of Israel. And so he knows this is coming and he's ready to fight it. Um, and so as we gather, like as we celebrate Christmas Eve, like you need to understand that this is something that happened in the middle of a great deal of political turmoil, a great deal of like 
upheaval. And it wasn't something that was meant to be something we just give homage to in passing. This is a life-changing event. It was a world-changing event. And Herod had enough sense to see it. He just didn't have enough sense to know how to react to it. Um, we're going to continue worshiping uh, um, and remembering, like, Bethlehem is this tiny little town. Bethlehem is the size of Big Sandy, right? You think, oh, it was the ancient world. But there were cities of, you know, a million, two million people at the time. I mean, that was a thing. Bethlehem is this tiny little town, and this great thing is about to happen there. Then Herod called the Magi and secretly found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. Now, real quick, the only reason we know kind of about what their answer was, because Matthew doesn't give it, is that when Herod fails to kill Jesus, he sends soldiers out and they execute every child under the age of two years in Bethlehem in the region, which is about, you know, between 10 and 30 people. It was, it, it's a, a rough guess, but I mean, it's a pretty nasty thing because Herod was a really nasty guy. So Herod calls these magicians back, and he says, hey, how long ago was this? And then he sends them forward, and he assumes that they're going to come back, right? Um, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I, too, may go and worship him. Um, after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose, excuse me, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Um, so Herod, Herod knows enough not to say, hey, can you go figure out where this kid is so I can come along and kill him? And he knew enough not to send an army, right? And Herod wouldn't go himself because that's dangerous. Um, so he sends these folks out, hiding his intention, you know, figuring, well, I'll go and kill him. Um, and they go, and they see this star again. Now, regardless of what the star was before, and I, I do think, you know, like supernovas and, and alignments of planets, I think that all played into what these guys were chasing after. I think when you get to this point, like, this is, this is just supernatural, right? 
I mean, it, it's not very common that you see a star, like, lead the way to a city and hang out over a house, right? <laughs> like, most theologians kind of agree this is maybe an angel, you know, that, that you have this supernatural occurrence. Um, it's, it's not a small event. Um, and these guys who've been traveling are preparing and then traveling for about two years. Like, this is a huge deal. They're overjoyed that, at what they found, which is kind of a funny thing. Um, there's kind of an irony there where the king of the, the Jewish people at the time is horrified and terrified and, and ready to be murderous over it. And these guys who are basically pagans, um, they're overjoyed. They're, like, excited at what they found. And I, I think there's something to that. I think what, what's to that is this idea that, that this small child, um, that this baby that they're seeking out, um, he was somebody significant. He was somebody huge. Um, and, and people encounter him every day, right, whether we like it or not. When we encounter him, we can encounter him overjoyed or we can encounter him, like, frustrated or, or irritated or offended or what have you. I mean, there's so many ways we encounter Jesus. Um, but what God wants from us is worship, right? God wants us to love him. God wants us to know him. God wants us to be close to him. Um, God wants us to be in his presence and to be his people, um, and and you know, the, the pagan folks who were sh- you know seeking him out to pay homage, like they managed this better than better than the Jewish folks who were there, right? Um, you know that's why we're here tonight. That's why we gather to celebrate the birth of Jesus. That's why we sing. That's why we make it into a, such a big deal because this is the birth of like the King. No other life in history has changed the world more than the life of Jesus. Um, and honestly, I I know a lot of folks that I I know in this community in this church even. Um, no other person has impacted their life more than Jesus did. Um, and so as we sing, like, and we remember um, what, the, what these men found, they found, like, a child, a child who would save the world, change the world.
On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. I'm going to hit pause there. The word worship that Matthew uses, um, this is obviously an English translation of a Greek book. Um, and, and when Matthew wrote this, the word that he chose, this worship, um, this is a, a term that's kind of reserved for, for deity, right? Like, like you might worship a, a golden calf or whatever, but the word here that's used is literally like they worshipped him like God. Um, and so these, these men came, they worshipped him, then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. By the way, this is where we get the idea that three men showed up, and it's probably not the case that it was three. The early, um, early church fathers recorded it as being about 80, like I said earlier, um, but we don't really know. I mean, it's kind of a guess at the end of the day. Um, we know that it was probably a big crowd. Um, but they, they show up with treasures. And why did they bring treasures? Well, there's two reasons. There's the obvious reason and the not-so-obvious reason. The obvious reason um, is that they were coming as a national homage, right? Like, it was a thing in the ancient world. If you went to see a foreign king as a show of, like, respect, you would bring them treasure. You would bring them stuff. And it would be sort of an homage or a, you know, hey, we're, we're cool, right? Like, you would, you know, bring, bring gold. In this case, gold... We all know what gold is, right? Um, frankincense is like uh, incense. It's a material that's used to make incense. It was very valuable. Um, and incense in the ancient world, like, it was important. We'll just leave it at that. It was a luxury, but it was kind of an important thing to have um, as far as luxuries went. And myrrh. Myrrh is an oil that was used to make perfume or for embalming. And it was also very expensive. Um, there have been all kinds of attempts in history, like in theology, where they'll say, well, gold represents this and frankincense represents that. And those are kind of interesting discussions. Um, this evening, as we look at this text, like we're talking about Matthew and Matthew telling us about the king of the Jews and the fact that Jesus was this, this king that came. Um, the important thing to understand here is that this is a huge amount of money. And it was a huge amount of money that you paid to a foreign king. Like this is the word, um, they open their treasures. The word treasure can have two meanings, um, and, and like, like it could mean a box with treasures, but it could also mean like, um, like a national treasure or like the treasury of a nation. And that's kind of the weight of the word is that they brought, like, they brought homage. They brought fealty. They brought national representation. Like these guys were coming to, to establish peace with a king that they knew would be powerful one day. Um, they just didn't really understand how powerful or why he would be powerful. So that's the obvious reason. The not-so-obvious reason is um, this morning we looked at the text after this one that where, um, where Herod finds out that the, the Magi have tricked him and not come back. And Herod responds by sending out soldiers to kill every two-year-old and under in, in Bethlehem. Um, and and um, Mary, Joseph, and, and Jesus, they like are told in a dream that they need to move. And so they move to Egypt for a little while. And um, it's probably the case, like for an ancient carpenter, which is what Joseph probably was, um, moving is expensive and it's hard. Actually, moving is expensive and hard now, right? In the ancient world, if you wanted to eat or have a place to live or set up shop somewhere else, it cost money. And this, this gold, frankincense, and myrrh probably paid for it. Um, which is cool if you think about it. That means about two years out, um, or probably more than that, God, like, God started making arrangements to pay for an escape. Like God started making arrangements 
to protect Jesus from like this this foreign king who happened to be king of Israel, this conquering king, like who was going to try and kill him, try and snuff him out. Um, this is God planning for his for his child, for his son, um, and honestly, he's planning for the king of the Jews and for the king of all people who follow God. Um, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Um, it, it doesn't really matter that much, but in context, they probably went the long way. You know what I'm talking about? Like they, like Jerusalem would have been in the direct route. They went south, and they went around the Dead Sea, and they went way out into the middle of nowhere and came way back up in an effort to avoid it. And they probably went by Herod's armies along the way because um, Herod had armies all over the place, and they probably went under the watchful eye of Herod's armies. But they moved quick probably, and they got away. Um, and there's a huge frustration to Herod who wants to protect his throne. Um, but isn't gonna. Um, let's continue to worship. I mean, because at the end of the day, like this, this moment of worship, this moment of like bowing down and worshiping Jesus is something we're here to do tonight. Um, and let's, let's raise up our voices and express some joy and some gratitude to God for like his provision for coming to be amongst us. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive our King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. No. As we uh, as we prepare to finish up, uh, we're we're going to finish with uh, with candlelight uh, and singing. If you don't have a candle, you should raise your hand, and my wife will probably bring you one. Um, as as we finish up, I kind of want to tie all of this together and explain um, explain sort of the point of this and sort of try and try and put it all out there. Um, what what we are told in this, what we're given in this, is this is this promise. And it was something else the Jewish people would have picked up on that's not as obvious for us. Um, like, the Jewish people lived under a series of agreements with God, right, called covenants. And when you get to the New Testament, God alters. Like, every time we see an alteration of the covenants, of these agreements. And at this point, the alteration that's about to happen is that all of God's people are going to be judged by God according to to how their king behaves and how righteous he is. And so Jesus comes and he is this perfect, righteous, holy, good king who takes punishment for the sins of his people and is, is, is able to do it because he's holy and because he's perfect. And so then we're all judged according to that king's behavior. So when I stand before God, every wicked thing I've ever done, every screw up, every mess up, every awful thing, everything I regret to the core of my being is something that Jesus was judged for. And as my king, like, like I get judged according to his goodness. 
And so, like, we celebrate the birth of a king when we celebrate Christmas. But not only that, we celebrate the birth of a savior. We celebrate the birth of God providing for us. We always finish this with Silent Night. Um, and the reason that we sing Silent Night is because it's important to remember, like, like, yes, it's important to remember God. And it's important to remember that Christ the Savior is born. We light candles because this world is dark and it's broken and it's messed up. But as Christ enters the world, God sends a new light for us. And we watch as that light spreads while we sing. And, and honestly, like we watch as the light of Christ spreads in the world. Um, and so we're going to sing and we're going to share candlelight. As, uh, as we stand here this evening, you know, the family of God celebrating the birth of Jesus, 
um, as we sing and as we worship the, the king that was born in Jerusalem or in, in Bethlehem all those many years ago, um, we don't stand alone. I mean, obviously, there are the people in this room, but there are folks across town doing it. There are folks all over the world. There are folks throughout history. Um, and and the, the Magi who showed up way before us, like we gather and we, we celebrate as lit candles um, in a brightly lit world because God sent his son. God sent his king to die on our, on our behalf to love us when we were unlovable and, and to reestablish our relationship with him. And that is awesome the best Christmas gift you could ask for. Merry Christmas, folks, and have a good night. Yes. Oh, in the back on the tree, there are Christmas ornaments. Every year we give out Christmas ornaments as a part of our Christmas services. This year we have stars. What else do we have? We have uh, Believe, because um, our, our Magi believed and they acted. Um, just stars, right? Um if, if something jumped out at you, if something stood out to you, pick up a star on the way out, put, put it somewhere where you'll see it, put it somewhere where you'll remember, and remember what we're celebrating this year, like what we're celebrating on Christmas. What tomorrow is about is the birth of a king. Yes, it's the birth of a king and the, you know, God's son. Um, thank you for jump, joining us.